0: Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in our world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom.
1: Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom.
0: And joining us today is Sarah Robertson. How are you doing, Sarah?
2: I'm great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, We're good.
0: Great to see you. Uh, Sarah is the Global VP of Disruption at Zaxis.
1: And um, I, I don't often have title envy, but I, I envy your title. I think uh, disruption is uh, uh, disruptive by title, disruptive by nature, I don't know. But your LinkedIn bio says you make cool stuff with AI. So
2: um, what are you disrupting at the moment with AI? Uh, well, hopefully the whole world, we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> but I wanted to say real quick to uh, that title, I owe you so much credit for the fact that that's my title. You personally, I met you. at can maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, you you uh, moderated a panel that I was on, and afterwards I asked you, "What can I do to get a a chief title um, in this organization?" Right? And you said, "Well, the trick is to pick a word that nobody would feel jealous or threatened by. Like they're not going to try to take it away from you." And I was like, oh, "Okay, good." Good thinking. So I, I, you know, I moved towards, I still don't have that chief title, but as I've moved in the direction, I ended up landing on words that um, were big for me, but didn't feel so threatening. So I uh, just wanted here. to say, thank you. Thank you yes. for that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you don't have to feel jealous because it's, you know, you, it's as much yours as it is mine at this point. <laughs> uh, as for building cool stuff in AI, Um, You know, professionally, I I build a lot of uh, tools to optimize media and spend and try to deliver performance for advertisers. Um, In the last five years at Zaxxis, I've been working on, uh, it it was a machine learning tool, and then it got sophisticated enough. We felt like we could call it AI. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so... I'm not sure how deep you want me to go into the tech. Not not even sure how deep I could go. I'm not a data scientist. Do, I'm do a, I
1: get the sense that you make stuff um, uh, as a side hustle as well?
2: Uh, well, I code for myself for fun, yeah. and I'm always exploring. And I have side hustles, but they're much more involved in video games and social, and less about optimizing media spend. Although, sure. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you've gone
1: silent.
0: Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, You said (laughs) that's the dream of many, many of my clients, to be honest. Uh, You you said, uh, Sarah, that it was sophisticated enough to move from machine learning to AI. Now, often you see in the industry people getting these two things confused. Can you give us a one, one minute on the difference and how it became sophisticated enough to change from one to the other?
2: Sure. So in the industry, it's a hotly debated uh, definition. What's the difference between these two things? Marketers love to call everything AI. Uh, Data scientists and engineers hate to call anything AI. That's just, you know, until it's sentient and it's like our best friend, then it doesn't count as AI. Um, We picked a definition that's popular with um, some of the thought leaders in the space, which is uh, machine makes a prediction and artificial intelligence takes an action. So if you just think about that as a separate um, machine learning could tell you all day long, how are you trending? What are your insights? What should you be looking at? But if you've built a system where those predictions can then choose an action and that action can lead to new predictions and you've got like a full cycle. And that's, that's where we define it as artificial intelligence.
1: I love that. That's the clearest distinction I've ever... I've just, that's just brilliant.
2: Yeah, keep it. And you can throw it back on other people and be like, which one are you? And they'll often be like, well, it's machine learning now that you mention it. <laughs> no, it's
0: really I, funny. I mean, we, We've started to come into the second question, which is where do you yeah. think that AI is misunderstood then?
2: Well, that's the first one is hmm. this... You know, I I did a presentation a few years ago where in preparation I asked all my friends and family when I... You know, non technical people, when I say AI, what do you think of? Um, and, you know, their first response is always some movie with killer robots, yeah. um, maybe a movie with a, a sexy voice chat person, you know, her with Lockheed and Phoenix. That was a good one. Um, but very few people then, you know, the times have changed a little bit more. Realize that everything that you touch every day has an element of AI in it, your your search engines, your banking client, your your email client, you know. so really, understanding how ubiquitous it is um, was a was a, is a bit of a misunderstood area. Also just generally being afraid of it. Um, it's It's good to be cautionary, but we don't need to live in fear. We need to understand, you know what it is we're building.
1: So you've you're, you've got a background obviously in social media. Um, could you tell us a bit about that? And um, also, just to any
2: way you what what you think need social needs to go in the next few years? Sure. Um, so I grew up in social. That was uh, like literally I was 14 when I joined a, a BBS before there were social networks. I was dialing into my local things. So I've since the beginning. Yeah. When I was like. 19-ish, I launched my own social network called melodramatic.com. Uh, it's it's online now, but it's more like a splash page. But at the time, it grew to about 300,000 registered members, and it focused on emo kids, right? So it was a place where we could go be ourselves, vent our feelings, and let the world know how difficult everything is. Um, and of course, everyone told me to Not to compete with MySpace, no one would ever be able to take down MySpace. They're the juggernaut in the industry. Like, what are you even doing? And foolishly, I took advice from them. Um, So I take—I feel very responsible for the rise of Facebook. You know, I was in there. I had a chance to stop them, but I didn't. Anyways, what I've seen since the the dust has settled and all these platforms have emerged is. Uh, there's uh, there's an overabundance of channels where you can just broadcast, you know, content that is very well curated and polished and cleaned. And there's a lack of social channels where you can really be yourself or really connect with people or, you know, maybe a safe space, The the rise of the troll and the um it's just it's kind of killed people's ability to be themselves you always have to be like a perfectly polished Mm. version of yourself on social um i you know i think consolidating on the major platforms is a huge risk to humanity we need a distributed version of social that's not entirely controlled by facebook um but yeah that's a lot you got any any particular areas in there that you well it's
1: look Um, it's it's a big controversial subject obviously But I think that the point that you're making really stands us in good stead, which is that that it is a young industry where there are huge power bases, and um, it's been the growth has uh, the growth needs regulation. Frankly, it needs.
2: I yeah. Or intervention maybe is the word. Um, So regulation affects our industry as well, right? I work in media, um, and I'm highly impacted by this, the um, the cookiepocalypse um, and all that. I believe that, you know, to be a good, to provide a good solution to consumers and advertisers and, and users and networks, it, we need to be ahead of the regulation. Like, we shouldn't let the regulation come tell us how we should be doing our business better. We should be making good choices and building good systems um and i think regulation will help to like break up facebook and and give us other options but you're still going to be in this cat and mouse game where every platform is trying to meet the bare minimum of, of what the of the law says and then the law has to keep up with the new terrible things that people are doing and at some point, we just need to break that cycle and make it much more open source, transparent, crowdsourced, distributed like it can't be. I don't know. But do, do you think that's
0: because the systems, the, the regulation is still very localized based on geographic boundaries, right? And so they the regulation is based on old systems where you have local businesses who would start disrupt and maybe when they start to grow too big and started to break things, then they'd get regulated, so they so they were a bit f- more finely tuned. Whereas the stuff that we're talking about is instantly scalable, and so the scale of any bad that's done is so big, and then combined with the fact that because they exist in multiple geographies, then the the the, the web is borderless in in that respect. That suddenly it becomes much harder to regulate, and so we need to get. Do is that the system that needs to break the the fact that we regulate after the event, actually maybe there needs to be something before that, before it happens, before it spreads too wide and does all that damage and can't be done. Is it, do we need to flip the actual regulation system in that respect?
2: That So that's a very disruptive idea. What if we had a type of regulation that is more like um, a third party, like the poll watchers, right? You've got these poll watchers watching ballots get counted. We could regulate something where, algorithms and networks have neutral third-party observers and testers and auditors which could potentially save you from making new mistakes moving forward that would be a pretty advanced set of regulation though that a lot of people would see as stepping over the edge
1: but i think but i think i think i think andrew's absolutely spot on right but you know the 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 tools that everyone has at the moment are based on kind of 20 years 20th century principles not even 21st century principles and because of that there's a mismatch which i'm sure we will look back on this period as being an example of that but just because the things that we've got in place at the moment don't work that doesn't mean that it's not in our power to disrupt as you say and invent new ways of of looking at it
0: brilliant thank you sir this is this is just getting more and more interesting so i'm a digital specialist i'm not an engineer i'm a more of a digital generalist but what skills do you think as someone who's smashing it and super involved in everything uh do i need to learn to prepare me for the future
2: so i i love this question and i've seen it happen a bit in the in the you know industry lately too and i have a go to answer which is ethics um I'm sure everyone expects me to say learn to code and okay yeah. I should learn how to code code's great I love code but um the thing that I've seen most people challenged with is being able to make ethical decisions on a in their real work and understanding how their decisions impact things at scale right so a lot of people especially product engineer even in media the traders and uh, analysts feel like they're a bit removed from from that responsibility and that some central ethics group is going to deliver some guidelines they should adapt to. I think a- across the board, even in strategy and creative targeting, messaging, people really need to be educated on how do we think about these things? What are they? What should I know? What do I need in my tool belt to be able to evaluate my work appropriately um and it's it's been an uphill battle for me trying to convince corporations to prioritize ethics as a as a pillar um, as opposed to looking at it as something you either have or you don't. I don't think it's something you can learn and you can get better at
1: and I think it's in its broader sense, sustainability is something that we all have to think about, and I mean in its broader sense, so not just planet sustainability but quality journalism, um, continual employment growth, business growth, and that's something that you can overlay. Really, for me, ethics is sometimes about taking a deep breath and taking a medium to long-term view rather than just a short-term view, and our industry would be better for that one.
2: That's that's a really good tool to have in your tool belt, right? Like, how do you how do you shift your lens to a farther out view when you're making a decision? Perspective. What's next for you, Sarah? Oh, I, I'm not sure yet uh but I did pick up an addiction to VR this summer over lockdown um i I would live in virtual reality if I could literally, so <laughs> I've
0: literally got my this I got my one here so you picked up an oculus right? I think you got me? the one up from me you've got a quest and I've uh, a you got, got the Rift? yeah so i
2: I ended up buying all of them um, <laughs> why <laughs> <laughs> because what I would like to do next is blog about VR right so at some sure. point I need to do a compare and contrast between the different yeah. platforms and the headsets um, but VR is something I sort of like rolled my eyes at for years like oh silly little niche industry that you know nobody cares about that's a novelty um and then you know during lockdown I was like, let's try this out and it is immersive it is powerful it's incredible like way better than i ever thought so much easier like i just don't see any future that doesn't have a massive vr undercurrent in it from now on like so that's my christmas list sorted out then oh yeah just get a quest <laughs> for everybody and it you can get yeah. i bought the i bought this little quest case right <laughs> this is all it takes yeah exactly yeah, okay it's just, you know, I, I also bought the one that has the cameras that go all around your room, the 360, to get the really good tracking because I wanted to know what this mm-hmm. high-end rig is that all the boys are talking about. Um, and it's incrementally better, but for, you know, Beat Saber, it's, <laughs> it's not going to make a big difference. <laughs> good tip. Good
0: tip. Um, right now, Sarah, we're moving on to the questions that we ask all of our guests um, yeah, so we compare words. and contrast so if you could tell me your favorite line from a poem a song or a book please uh
2: this one's tough because i favorites change for me all the time i couldn't i couldn't think of a favorite i could tell you um and i know this is going to be so emo but the song that's been playing in my <laughs> head since lockdown started is uh, my chemical romance uh, i'm not okay don't know if you know that song it's <laughs> basically oh, okay. just i'm not okay I'll, hopefully next time i'll come up with a, a better happier one if there's a next time but um for all the 90s kids in the crowd go replay that and it'll really make you feel <laughs> it'll, it'll speak to you <laughs> if you were a
1: genie what five commonly available objects would i have to put in a magic circle to summon you uh
2: all right so let's see first would be my jewel i can't live without my e-cigarette everywhere that i go okay. um Coffee goes unless so drugs. The first two are going to be drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you how do you take your coffee? Uh Light and sweet, ah. light and. Yeah, so uh, a
1: latte or something.
2: Oh, latte is my favorite. Yes, but today I'm having Dunkin' Donuts light and sweet. You know, America runs on Dunkin'. Uh, oh, that's two out of my five. Definitely a VR headset has to go in there because you know what would I do without that? Um Sunglasses. Wouldn't be caught anywhere without some sunglasses. Um, and I don't know, I get a wild card, I guess, for the fifth one. How about some nerd T-shirts? Love
0: that. <laughs> Love that. Um, geez, does it come? So we've been in lockdown. We're in lockdown here in the UK. So what three items in your house are giving you comfort in these distancing where, times? And
2: where, and where is your house? Where are you? Uh, so I live in the Bronx right now. Um. But my, I own a house in the Bronx that flooded two years ago. So I live in an insurance apartment right now. I've been, yeah, for two years where you're like not nesting, you're not, right? I don't want to really decorate because it's a temporary house, but it goes on and on. So it's under construction and maybe by Christmas I'll be back in my house. Oh,
1: I, I hope so. I wish for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So <laughs> but I just in- love the Bronx. It's a beautiful area and it's mm-hmm. um, it's coming up. Good. So what three items? You've already talked about your VR headset, so we can't. Say it <laughs> it's had two two plugs already. Ah, giving me comfort in these social distance times. I mean, I did I did a bit of office nesting, right, during work from home. So I could list more than three electronic gadgets that I've purchased to make my life easier, such as a microphone and a webcam and all of that. <laughs> um certainly my tablet and you know, I'm a computer girl through and through, so almost everything for me is gonna be electronics. But the tablet I have found um, serves a different purpose, right? Because you could be very artistic, you have the pen, I could do more sketching and like bullet journaling. I picked up bullet journaling for a bit this summer. Um, I'm not sure if that's three things, but yeah, I think I think ways of of unplugging from the network and focusing more on my own thoughts and artistic veins uh, is something that's been comforting for me.
0: Can I also point out the very snazzy pair of Zaxxys headphones that you've got, which uh, I'm definitely going to get in contact with my rep about.
2: I very these were for uh, these were for an ex-co, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, other normal taxes people get jealous too, and I'm like, I'm not sure yeah. there's a box of them somewhere. <laughs>
1: um, I, I think they would make me quite happy as well. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> if you could change the industry in one way right now, what would it be?
2: It, I'm going to focus back on the ethical focus. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity uh, for us in the wpp family having a large voice and a lot of reach to to make changes and take some more radical positions but i also think the industry itself would benefit from collaborating more and working more together across these optos and holding companies companies, right and we could make a a group that's like let's be the ethically minded advertising group that pays attention to this that really highlights it and i think if we were strong and loud with that it goes back to being ahead of the regulation right like we wouldn't need to wait for governments to regulate us because we could regulate ourselves with this cross-cutting group that that really cares so I'd like to be a part of that if if anybody listening starts one Um, if not if I start one then try to join it
0: (laughs) and then if we were to give you a billboard anywhere Sarah what would where would you put it and what would it say
2: Oh man, I mean, right now it would be probably wear a Maybe mask.
0: we? we yeah, <laughs> yeah, saying, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know what? We'll keep it wear simple.
0: Yeah, yeah, wear, a, wear a,
2: mask. a mask. Maybe if I filled it up, it'd be like wear a mask, save the planet. Don't be mean. You know, I just all the yeah, yeah. all the little go tos. I put them on one board. <laughs> Okay, now um, three questions.
1: The questions you can't prepare for. I've, I've picked three out of this like uh, the box of, from the School of Life. Um, so I'm going to let you choose. So it's kind of uh, one, two, three, which one would you like?
2: Uh, let's go with the middle of the road. Okay,
1: okay. Growing up, it says, who was the favorite in your family?
2: Uh well that's hard to answer because I'm an only child. So G. it was a billion percent me. Like I don't even understand the question. You mean who did someone like my parents more than they like me? No, I was the best. <laughs> brilliant. That's that's a really clear answer. <laughs> so you ask you second one <laughs>
0: Sarah, I've loved this. This has been absolutely brilliant. I wish we could brilliant. speak for an hour, but thank you very much and hope to see you soon.
2: Yeah, yeah see, thank you guys for having me. This has definitely keep, been fun. Keep disrupting. <laughs> keep transforming <laughs> that was right. brilliant
0: thank you sarah i loved that i really did
2: and yeah i'm
1: um, um, i'm sorry about the um middle bit intervention it's just it's like They're this well is a like, light-hearted
0: podcast you've been you know? by
2: telling me most people talk shit on uh, the. Or, no you said other people like products better oh i didn't do that i talked shit on our partners
0: no it's good we, Said you have yeah, to
2: cut people, because our competitors offerings are better than ours right yeah
1: no listen there's a whole conversation to be to be had i do think talking about ethics and having a long-term perspective is is the real point actually because you know you know what everybody wants everybody wants our children to have a future right
2: yes <laughs> i mean maybe not, not everybody up. the good people do <laughs> all right love to speak to you see you yeah, soon brilliant. take care thank you sarah but yeah thank you guys have a great day
0: see you